In this episode of Webinar Extra, Martin Jones, Head of Curriculum Development, and Rebecca Stevens, Lead Assessor at the College of Optometrists, answers questions following their webinar, Preparing for ETR, the new route to qualification as an optometrist. If you'd like to find out more information about ETR and what the changes will mean, please visit our website. You'll find the link in the show notes. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Thank you all for attending the webinar and for all your questions. Uh, we only had time to cover a small proportion of the total on the webinar, but we do want to follow up on the questions asked in uh, some different ways, hence creating this podcast. Um, we're working on answering your top 10 questions um, that were in the session, and we'll make reference to some of those questions here. But we'll also try and expand, try to cover as many other questions as we can in this session. So we've themed a lot of our questions and the first theme for questions that we got was about the reason for the changes. So Martin, our first question is, uh, what is wrong with the current system? It makes much more sense to carry on with graduating and then on to the pre-reg. Yeah, thank you. I can understand the question. I think for us, we, we are obviously very happy delivering the scheme for registration and could mm. have continued. Um, but obviously, first thing to mention is that this wasn't our uh, our procedure to go through the consultation. It was the GOC who have managed the consultation and made the decisions and published the requirements. So I think one, one thing we need to do here is pass questions from the session onto the GOC and work with them to try and get some responses. If I can give just my interpretation about what would be an answer to that question, what is wrong with the current system? I think the answer from the GOC would probably be that there's nothing wrong with the current system, um, but that any regulatory body needs to do these reviews to keep things up to date and to make the profession still kind of relevant and in line with what's happening, happening mm. in the changing environment and what they think is going to happen in the future. So that I think a lot of the changes that they're putting in place will be to do with benchmarking optometry to other professions and getting the profession ready for changes that they perceive as coming in the future. And I think we had some some questions in advance of the session as well that were along a similar li a line about, um, you know, will it create a better optometrist or is it going to be better for the student? And I think I'd reiterate there that it's it's not it's not so much about creating a better um, optometrist as creating one that is going to be relevant in coming years. And that if regulatory bodies didn't do these kind of reviews, then you would eventually end up with a type of professional that is just not fit for the environment they're in as things change. Thank you. Uh, and that really works nicely with our next question, um, which is someone saying that their son is hoping to study at a university this autumn and he'll only come out with a BSc. Where does this leave earlier graduates? OK, yeah. And I think that's a question that a lot of students will be asking themselves. Mm. Um, there will be, as I said on the session, uh, we will continue to deliver the scheme for registration. And not every university is going to update to a master's programme this year. 
So there will be a lot of scheme students and for some years to come coming off those programs and there will be scheme students starting programs this year who will in three years time be going on to the scheme for registration. I think our kind of reassurance here is that it's the point of getting to registration which matters. So what matters is that the person is getting to the point where they can register with a GOC, practice as an optometrist, and from that point, that's what people are going to be interested in. And we are doing a lot of our college development meetings are with employer representatives. And we're also on kind of other forums and meetings where employer representative bodies are present. And really, we hear from them all the time that what they're interested in is that somebody gets registered. It's not going to be about how they got registered. And I hope that that's kind of reassuring to anybody in this situation looking at these changes. Absolutely. I think it's not just students that will be interested. It will be also qualified um, optometrists as well. Um, so these next uh, few questions um, we've themed um, with this, the the um, title of integrated programs. So it's all about the placements that are part of the degree. So the first question with this theme is in the new system, will you only get awarded the university qualification if you also pass the new pre-reg part of it? Yeah, that's correct. So the the whole point of the change in the in the requirements in this in this area is integration. So the academic degree and the work experience will be part of the degree and they come together. So yeah, if the student was did not do the clip placement uh, or they were not successful in their clip placement they would not be able to go on and get the master's degree. So it may be that universities, we would expect them to have some kind of um, exit route so the student gets some other kind of award in that situation. But that award would not qualify them to register as an optometrist. So they would need to complete the clip placement to gain their master's degree, and they need the master's degree in order to register. So will all the universities therefore be covering the same learning outcomes? Um, so if an assessor who uh, who is um, looking after trainees who are qualified from a variety of different universities, might there be some different material on which they need assessing? No. So all the universities are working from the same set of learning outcomes. So um, anybody can find that by going on to the, the GOC website. There is an education and training requirements area and you are looking for the requirements uh, for qualifying in dispensing optics and optometry. And that requirements document um, has a short introduction and then it goes into setting out all the learning outcomes for dispensing optics and then for optometry. So if you look at the optometry section, you can see all the learning outcomes which any provider of a qualification is going to have to use. So universities, whether they're working with the college or not, cannot make changes to those learning outcomes. You have to use what's set out in the requirements document. And as far as what we're doing with our partners, we have mapped out which outcomes the university covers before a student goes on to their CLIP placement, which outcomes are covered on CLIP, and which ones the university covers during or after the CLIP placement. So it's 
very clear who is providing what and any assessor that's involved in college um, assessing students on college clip placements will be looking at the same learning outcomes for every student they look at. Will um, all the providers need to offer the short placements that you mentioned in the webinar, Martin, in year one, as well as the full final year placement? Right. So I think this question comes about because we talked about the requirement for work-based learning on the new degrees will be 48 weeks of work-based learning. And the college clip placement is offering 44 weeks. So at the point that the student gets to the clip placement, they will already have done at least four weeks of short placements organised by the university. Um, so if you're in the position of a practice that's interested in taking students, no, you don't have to offer both. The university will be organising the short placements. The college will organise the extended placement. Um, and the extended placement is the 44 weeks. OK, that's helpful. This next question is, is a sort of follow on from that. Um, you said that the first clip placements will be in 2026. However, you also said that the short clip placements will start in the early years. So we'll um, be able to offer short placements from 2024 or 2025. Uh, yes, that's right. So so once again, the college can't organise the short placements that will be organised by the university. So I think if you're interested in being involved in offering students opportunities for short placements, um, get in touch with your nearest university and let them know that you're interested in doing this or get in touch with if you're part of a, uh, you know, a, one of the multiple practices, perhaps get in touch with the learning and development people and let them know that you're interested in doing that and try and take it from there. Excellent, thank you. So our next category for questions is about the standards required um, on the placements and about the placement experience generally. So um, I'll turn the tables here back and ask you okay. a few questions. <laughs> <laughs> One that we received was, can you estimate what level of competence the students will be joining us at? And are we expected as supervisors to teach them anything or just to ensure competent and safe practice? So it's a great question. Um, as you mentioned earlier, Martin, we know what learning outcomes Eclipse going to be covering. Um, and we've already mapped out what learning outcomes need to be covered in readiness for CLIP and what learning outcomes need to be um, covered after or during CLIP. So we've asked universities to ensure that they've signed off those learning outcomes that are needed prior to entry. And therefore we can expect students to be at a certain standard when they enter CLIP. Um, we expect students will have done clinical testing. They'll have experience with patients. Um, and so therefore we basically expect supervisors to not have to teach the basics um, but basically do what they do currently on the scheme for registration which is teaching application in a, a practice environment um, so that's very similar to what they currently do. Okay and how will you guarantee patient safety at qualification when the university has a vested interest in ensuring students pass is one of the questions we received. Yeah, and I can understand why um, some people would worry about this. Um, so it's it's not this college's remit to guarantee patient safety at qualification. It's actually the GOC that accredits education providers, so university courses, uh, and therefore it's the GOC that's responsible for ensuring patient safety, safety is um, 
properly insured on each programme. Of course, there are other health professions that currently allow full entry onto a register at the point of graduation. So optometry is actually going to be aligning with those other professions in the health landscape. Um, universities do have a vested interest in making sure students are prepared to enter their clip placements. Um, they wouldn't want to have a lot of resits to occur. Um, so I think there is um, a good robust mechanism for ensuring that um, students are ready to enter CLIP and then during CLIP um, they are receiving all the learning that they, they, they need to so that patient safety is, um, is properly protected. Great. And last question in this area was, is there a requirement for test room time? And do all the four days of the placement per week need to be testing or can some of the days be shop floor based? So there definitely will be minimum and expected requirements for time in a consulted room, much like there currently is on the scheme for registration. Um, but we'll be finalising exactly how much that time will be quite soon. Um, and we do want students to get a really rounded experience outside of the tested room with other elements uh, such as dispensing um, because those are also still part of the GOC learning outcomes and that's very similar to, to um, what they currently do on the scheme for registration. Okay thank you. So um, I'm going back to you Martin flipping it again. Um, our next topic is all about responsibilities for the student and for their employment um, this is a really popular area for questions submitted on the webinar session. Um, and so we are going to summarise some FAQs. Is that right, Martin? Yeah, I just thought it was worth mentioning here. So by the time people hear this, they should have received some written answers to some of the most popular questions that were asked. And there were definitely two here that a lot of a lot of people asked. One was about um, payment and the four day the four day four days plus one learning day so basically mm. people were asking are we going to need to pay for four days or do we need to pay for five days given that one of them is a learning day when the student won't be in the practice and the other one was about tying students into contracts so will we still be able to um, contract a student on the basis that they continue working with us once the clip placement is finished and because I had stressed on the session that the, the students at the point of finishing the placement won't be graduates and won't be registered. So what, what will be the process at the end? Basically, how long is it going to take before a student can go back to a practice and continue working? On the uh, four days, five days question, we I mean, this is very much a contract that the employer is making with the student. And I don't think that we would be um, putting in a requirement that anybody has to pay for five days. So in answer to those questions, yes, you would be able to do the payment for the four days that they're in the practice. Um, it may be you know, that the five day payment is something that be considered. It might be some people also asked questions about, you know, how are people going to get attracted to more kind of out of the way practices and that could perhaps be something that's considered it might be a way that practices think about attracting people to places that may have more problems getting students with regard to the contracts I suppose I think part of the answer that we've prepared in writing says that obviously we would hope that 
that there are kind of you know standards for the clip experience which we we communicate to everybody and that and that you know supervisors and practices want to give the students a good experience and that they the students enjoy their time there and find it productive and if they're being offered a job at the end of it that they would want to take it anyway um, as it is we're not going to tell anybody that you can't contract them in um, so so yes that will still be possible we're not making any rule against it i think in most cases the extended placement is going to come as i said on the session very near the end of the degree and it will probably i mean i think it will likely be a matter of um weeks rather than months that before somebody's able to graduate and get registered but i think that's something obviously that people are concerned about and we would try to find kind of give more details about how that's going to work um and that's something that we'll try and expand on and provide more information about thank you um, i mean very much tied into that um topic of contracts uh, a question that we had was um during clip are they students or are they employees uh, and who would be in charge of, uh, of like a disciplinary issue would that be the university would that be the employer yeah so i suppose the, the difficult answer is that they are clearly both they are still a student on the degree but they are they are on a placement in which they have a direct contact contract with the employer um, I think from the point of view of the practice who is taking that student, the employment contract is what they would principally refer to. Um, and there may be lots of lots of kind of matters where somebody would need to deal with a student on the basis of the contract, and it wouldn't be something that they would need to tell the university. But I think one thing we're going to need to make clear is that there could be situations in which a disciplinary issue is of a nature where the university needs to be informed. So that could be kind of serious disciplinary issues, or it could be things like, you know, perception of negligence in their practice or something where obviously the university needs to know. So I think that's something where at this point, we don't have a kind of guidance we can give you, but we do know that we will need to develop a very clear guidance for that area and we'll be working on it for the point of launch. So this seems to put a lot of onus on the supervisor with very little benefit to the practice. Um, so it's almost a harder pre-reg student, um, but with less working hours and less commitment. Yeah, so because of the degree integration, we are saying that the standard model for placement should be four days in practice each week and one learning day. Um, so the working hours are going to be lower. Um, and that's right. The level of commitment, um, not sure exactly what was meant for that by that. I, I think it could mean is, is the student going to be less committed to doing well on the placement? I I think that should be okay. I think the student will will need, as we've discussed, the student will need to pass all the placement activity. They are somebody that is doing a degree where they're going to be going into practice. And I think that as any student should be kind of enthusiastic and committed to the work that they're doing on their placement. Um, if the commitment refers to commitment to that actual employer, then I suppose that's covered in the question we just answered, which is about, you know, we would hope that the student will have a good experience and if they're being offered a role, would want to take it. Um, but, you know, that can be written into the contracts. 
So I think the commitment level in that respect should be the same. Um, as far as it being kind of more work to the supervisor, um, I suppose one thing to make clear is that this is the CLIP assessment and the CLIP program will be different to the scheme. So although there are real similarities in that it is still remote visits with the student kind of discussing cases and other matters with an assessor and face-to-face -face visits where the assessor will come in and you'll see the student, for example, do a psych test and all of that. Um, but not all of the elements of the scheme will be here in the assessment. And so um, just remember, we're not trying to cram the scheme for registration and everything that happens there into an 11 to 12 months period is going to be a different arrangement. And we don't see this being kind of more onerous for the supervisor than looking after a student on the scheme. And I think as well with, with the kind of um, pre-registration student being a student, um, there can be real benefits from that. And I think it's one, one reason why programmes are integrated with the theory and the practice together is that there's a real trade-off between having somebody in your practice who is also a student and is still learning and is able to apply their practical knowledge back to their studies, but also bring in what they're learning in their studies and what they're talking about at their university and what they're studying on their learning day, they're able to bring that straight into you and uh, try and make use of it, which should be, I would hope, a benefit to the practice. So um, a question um, regarding that fifth day of the week. It says, you mentioned day five each week of placement was university work. Now, would this be remotely for the student? Yes, we think that would generally be remote learning. Uh, and again, I think that you know, we will we will have to kind of go around, kind of collect information from each university exactly about exactly how these things are going to work. So employers can be clear about that wherever the student is coming from, they're able to see what the arrangements are. And I think on that on that point, another question which maybe didn't come up at the session but has been asked before is whether that would be a fixed day. So would it, for example, be every student taking the Friday off? And that answer is no. So we are working with the universities on the basis that um, the students should be able to do the learning broadly whenever they, whichever day you and the practice want them to do it. So if a supervisor, for example, took a particular day off in each week, you might be able to arrange that. So the learner's learning day, the student's learning day was the same as the supervisor's day off. Um, and there shouldn't be too many events where the student needs to be there at the same time, at a particular time with other students. Excellent. Thank you. Um, and one of the greatest questions that we got um, at the webinar, which I guess is our final question, is can you please send out an email to all participants answering our questions? Yeah, so by the time you hear this, you should have answers to some of the questions in writing, which we're sending to all the delegates. So we have picked the top 10 questions that were asked and have prepared written answers for those. And we're just getting ready to send those out at the time that we're recording this session. Um, obviously, there were a lot of questions answered on the sessions and we've answered written responses, which will come by email to you. 
and um, and we're answering more questions in this webinar. So I think at this at this point we have in 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 one of the three areas answered kind of the broad range of questions that was on the session, but we will still review the questions that were asked and see if there's need for us to do another round of answers, either in writing or as another recording. And please feel free to get us in touch, get in touch and let us know what you'd prefer, kind of in, in writing or recorded, if you have a preference. Um, one thing we'll also be doing is with all the answers, all the, all the questions we've responded to and all the questions we've received, we'll be reviewing those to look at where we need to do more. So some of them suggest kind of action that we'll need to take, and those are good reminders for us of work that we'll need to do and get back to you on later. And um, we will also review our website content. So most of the um, content that's on the website about um, ETR and CLIP at the moment is in a kind of question and answer format. And so we will expand the content on there with more questions and answers over the coming weeks so that we represent some more of your questions and these responses we've discussed on the website. And that's there whenever you want to go and see updates. Fabulous. Thank you so much, Martin, for answering those questions. Um, I hope that the answers are useful for everybody. Um, and thank you all for listening. Thank you.